Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, September 21st. I'm going to bring in Lauren. Good morning, Kevin. Glad to be here. Let me know if you uh, can hear me all right. I'm coming to you today from the truck. Yeah, actually, you're not sounding all that great. Are you on a, a wireless or a headset or a speakerphone or... I'm on my regular um, headset, but I there's a little bit of rain here and there, so it's probably what it is. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll deal with it. Um, so, kind of a weird day. You've got a lot going on today, right? Yes, I do. I do. Um, I actually, you know, I'm the perfect example when I tell people that they should find the right doctor. Um, I just believe in traveling to, when you find the right one, that you should travel to them. So that's why I'm on the road. Got back it. Because when you have a good one, you know, I, I believe in driving. There you go. I, I agree. It's worth yeah. it. All right. So. Uh, it is worth it. And I. What, what are we ahead. doing today? Because I know you've got some appointments going on. So you're, you're only good till noon, your time or one? Which time? No, I'm good now. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm good for the next hour. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take questions, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Today was just kind of a weird day. We had a lot of things changing at the end, and then, you know, we had Eric come on. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, Eric was great, by the way. Oh, he is. He is. He knows that those products inside and out. He's, he's so good at that. And man, I, I'll tell you, I've always liked Garmin, but they are just doing an incredible job of bringing very cool technology to truck drivers. Agreed. And just health in general, that new product that they told us about, the blood pressure monitor. Pretty cool. Oh yeah. I'm going to order mine as soon as I get off the air here. Um, I have a couple of them. I, and, you know, I've got the Omron, which were the old style, you know, more mechanical kind of. And then I switched to a company called uh, Withings. Um, so I do have two wireless uh, blood pressure cuffs from Withings. One is upper arm and one is the wrist. The wrist is awful. It's so inaccurate and so inconsistent. I don't even know why they sell that thing. Um, the upper arm from Withings is a wireless, connects to your phone kind of thing. And, and, and it's nice and it's accurate. I've tested it against, um, you know, a stethoscope and really taking my blood pressure and it's accurate. Um, but it doesn't integrate into all the other things I'm doing nearly as well as what this Garmin does. I mean, this Garmin's going to integrate right into my watch and I'm using the Garmin watch for everything now. That's... Very convenient. I actually had a question because I know there was a question about noise canceling, you know, headsets. Are you able, I mean, is that safe to have a noise canceling headset while you're driving because you can't hear the, the traffic around you? Yeah, so here's the beauty of the way that um, Garmin designed theirs. So in the Garmin Bluetooth headset, they have two models, the 100 and the 200. The 100 only has one ear cup. So you're only putting the speaker over one ear and then you have the boom for your mic, but your other ear is open. So you can still hear everything around you. 
Um, in the 200, which is the one I have, it has both ear cups, but one of them's detachable. So when you're driving and, and you want to be able to hear what's going on around you, you just take off the other ear cup. Um, but if you were using it at night and you wanted to watch a movie or listen to music and you want the stereo, then you just put the cup back on. It's a beautiful design. Okay. Thanks for clearing it up. I was Yeah, no, that's a good question. And you're right. I would never drive with a full noise-canceling headset on. That would make me crazy. Uh, but being able to take off the one ear cup, then you can hear just fine. Great. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab some calls. I know some of these calls were for Eric, and we ran out of time. Um, we're going to go to Florida. Tony, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Tony here, owner of I Hate Brokers Trucking. Again, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is, um, is Lauren the doctor in Wildwood, Florida, that, that we've been waiting to hear? Because it, it's not a question for her. But I, do, I can ask a medical question if that's what we're supposed to talk about now instead of Garmin. You can ask any question you want today. It could be medical. It could be Garmin. You can ask both. Um, Lauren is not a doctor in Wildwood, Florida, though. Lauren is our uh, FNTP uh, here at Let's Truck, and she does all of our discovery calls, one-on-ones. She does a lot of our meal plans and recipes and all kinds uh-huh. of great stuff. Okay, so this, this question, which was the original one, will fit. Uh, they... I waited for somebody to start asking about features I'm interested in, in the watch diesel. Okay. The, the watch that has uh, the one for truckers. Does that, is that for athletes, you know, cause, cause all of my fellow athletes, you know, triathletes and marathons and stuff, they, they have a certain type. Does this do all of that? Like, it- it Deep does. water, like well, hold swimming. On. Yeah, yeah, hold on. So here's what Garmin is famous for when it comes to wearables. You know, a ton of other companies have wearables. Apple, Fitbit, we, Gora, we could go on and on and on. What Garmin has always been famous for is creating very specific products for specific activities. Like they have a crazy high-end diver's watch that does all kinds of things you would want to do if you scuba dive. Um, they have very specific watches for cycling. Now we have very uh, specific watch for truck drivers. They have tons of these specific watches, but they're all built on the same base model. It, or that's not, I didn't say that exactly correct. They are all built on a base model. For example, the diesel, the trucker's watch is built on the instinct um, model. The instinct has all those things in there that an athlete would want. It tracks your steps. It can track your workouts, your heart rate. It has GPS so you can see where you were working out and where you ran or rode your bike. Or Yeah, so it has all of the health features in there. And then it has specific features and software for truck drivers. Okay, I see. Well, I'm currently on the Apple Watch. And, you know, I do a lot of uh, track work, like on an oval track, and I'm getting close to sub six in the mile. But my Apple Watch cheats and makes me look faster. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if this one would have better GPS. You know, uh, I'll take we, it, but I don't, I don't want to get credit for a 3.8 times around the track when well, 
Yeah. Well, first uh, you know, off, when I, when I didn't do four yet. Yeah. First off, congratulations. Those are incredible numbers. That's impressive. Um, let me tell you um, how I feel about this. And I am a pretty diehard Apple fan. I mean, we switch. I switched to Apple after using PCs for almost 20 years. Um, I switched back in 2000 when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and they rolled out their first new software platform after Jobs got back. That was right around 2000. And that's when I switched. And when we switched, you know, from PC to Mac, it was just computers. Then when the phones came out, we went phones, then tablets. We are 100% Apple in our environment, everything. I bought the Apple Watch the first day it came out. I bought the second generation the first day it came out. It was the last one I bought. I, I will. I, I honestly, I think the Apple Watch may be the worst product they make. I, I'm not happy with it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And when it comes to health monitoring specifically, the Garmin is about 20 times better than the Apple Watch. Now, if you use so your Apple questions. Watch for things like phone calls and text messages and your calendar and all those other things an Apple Watch could do, well, then I guess it's a great watch. I, I just don't use most of those features. And I hate the fact that I have Here's to the charge thing. the thing every stinking day. I, I, it's hard to get my overnight readings because if you forget to charge your watch, it won't make it overnight. My Garmin watch... When I charge it, yeah, exactly. It lasts twenty-eight days, twenty-eight days on a single charge. Uh, okay, so I take it the Garmin doesn't take phone calls. And here's the thing: I like how my Apple Watch can do phone calls, but I've probably never used it for the phone in the five years I've had it. So I'm ready to switch. And that does it take phone calls? And does it do the blood pressure and the, the sleep and everything like you talk about. It does also, sleep really, it does sleep really model. well. It does not do blood pressure. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And I just mentioned it earlier. I said for Withings, which is a company that does blood pressure, it's like their main thing. They have two devices. One I can wear on my upper arm, like a traditional blood pressure cuff. And they have a wrist worn. The wrist worn sucks. I, I won't even use it. I don't even know why they sell it. Yeah. It's that inaccurate and inconsistent that it's it's almost worse than not having any information because it's giving you information that's just wrong. So nobody has really perfected the wrist-worn blood pressure yet. Somebody's going to have to come up with a better sensor or something. So it does not do blood pressure. You asked about that specifically. But now they Garmin just came out with the blood pressure cuff that you wear on your upper arm or put it on your upper arm to get the reading and you will see it on your watch and your phone app. So it, it sounded like the diesel model might not be the one for me. Uh, help me out. I, um, is there going to be a bunch of truckers like workouts on there that, that I don't there, need? There is. Here's, I do like, Here's how it works. So you could just get the Instinct 2. That has all the same base features as the diesel does. And it uses the same software program called Connect. That's the one I can connect, see all my sleep data, all my HRV, my heart rate, my steps, my breathing. All of that stuff is on that app. 
than if you had the diesel watch instead of just the Instinct 2. With the diesel, you can download a second app, and that's the truck driver's app, where it would have the workouts and the ELD and all those other things that truck drivers want. So if you don't want any of the truck driver stuff, you just buy the Instinct 2. If you want the truck driver stuff, you could get the diesel watch, and you don't have to load that second app if you didn't want all of those other things that it does. No, I think I'm going to get it, especially if it's if it's on your store, because I want to be on board with all this stuff you talk about, sleep. Like, I've never tracked that, and I know Garmin and all my friends that are athletes do it. Uh, so the one last thing, I got to leave you with this. Sorry, on the white coat syndrome. Yeah, I have that too, uh, but it goes from 90 to 100. I'll see you. <laughs> all right, thanks for the call. Good stuff. Um Lauren, were you able to listen earlier? Yeah. Yeah, Garmin is just, um, they are just so on top of this. Here's the other thing I love, and you hear this from Eric, is um, he said it several times on our call, and every time I talk to him, he tells me this. You know, Garmin, we've talked about, they do skydivers and scuba divers and runners and cyclists, and they have all these special, you know, devices. When you talk to people over at Garmin, they absolutely love the truck driving world. I, I, I just think it's incredible. Yeah, it, it's, they just, they love this environment and they have done such an amazing job with the GPS and the camera and the headset and the watch. I mean, you've just got everything right there and it all works together so well. Yeah, what a treat for sure. They're a great company. I mean, they do everything from boats, you know, to... I mean, everything. You mentioned the different athletes and the different sports we were just checking out. They have a watch for surfing. Surfing. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just crazy. And they actually figure out good features that if you're a surfer, you would want. Yes, they have a widget on there from Surfline.com, a company I used to work for, actually, where they'll give you the surf report for any you know area that you want. That's awesome. That's a, it, maybe I need to talk to them yeah. about uh, some sort of wing foiling watch and a wind forecast app. <laughs> you could probably add a widget to your watch that, that you can you know have your specific area. Ask them if they have a weather widget for you. Yeah. I bet they do. Yeah, I'll check into that. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, did you have anything this week you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we definitely do. Well, since you asked, we are actually launching a new series, which is pretty exciting. That's right. So I saw you, this. I love this. Yeah, Tell so, us about it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. It's a new weekly series where you'll learn what I'm putting on my plate and, you know, to make a meal, basically. So whether it be breakfast, lunch, dinner, or even a snack, You'll gain insight into the composition of my meals. Um, I'll take a quick photo and list the items on there. And when I have a chance, I'll tie it to a recipe that we have in the cookbook, as well as some of the products that we carry in the store. So I'm really excited about it. That is exciting. And I saw all the design work. It's got the, the program's called Lauren's yeah. Plate. The design work is just stunning. I know. It's, it's been really fun to, to work with the team on, and we're excited. I think we're going to 
go ahead and launch the first one next week. So definitely keep your eye out. I just thought it would be an interesting way to kind of, you know, we can go ahead and write recipes and provide a cookbook and this and that. But when it comes to actually sitting down and forming your plate and making a meal, sometimes it's not enough for people to have a recipe. Sometimes it's nice just to see a quick snapshot in real time of, you know, what's being, you know, eaten by someone who, who looks out and cares about what they're putting in their body. So. You know, I, I I just thought of something. I haven't been a big part of this uh, program. I know of it, but I haven't been involved in the details. Um, do we, and I know these things grow and we add to them. Um, as soon as you started talking about that, I started thinking about Healthy Tribe and having a group on there. Um, and, you know, you post what you're eating and people love that. They really do want to know. You know, well, what do you eat today? What do you eat at this time? Or So I love that idea. And what if we had a group where everybody could kind of submit their plate as well? That sounds wonderful. I love when people post what they're eating. Yeah, me you know, too. We do get a fair amount on Healthy Try. Yeah, it's inspiring too. You see something good and you're like, ooh, that's yeah. an idea. So <laughs> exactly. It's more for inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. So keep your eye out for it because uh, we're going to be launching it within the next week. Yeah. And just to let everybody else know, we're also working on new ideas. Um, Brittany's actually out here with us in Oregon right now. So we're working on um, expansion ideas on, on the shows, the podcasts, the websites. Um, one of the new areas we are going to move pretty heavily into and create a lot of content uh, because there is so much to create, is a, a whole series on food um, from start to finish, like the gardening part of it, the, and then from gardening to uh, preservation and cooking. So, you know, whether it's dehydrating or fermenting or canning or freeze drying, and then, you know, moving on to meals. And um, so we're, we're just going to do a lot more video stuff around that, more, more you know, instructional kind of quick, you know, here's, uh, you know, how you start your yogurts or, you know, we're just going to do more video and, and more content around food. And the, the, your, your plate program, Lauren's plate is a big part of that. Yeah, I, I can tell. And, and I think that's great. I think we definitely, the more content we can provide everyone, the better, you know, and, um, it's just, there's this, uh, called a fox homestead and they have a few little videos on canning and food preservation and gardening and you know preserving what you have left over and I thought about you because you know you do so much with that in terms of your garden you know harvesting from your garden and then having an abundance of items and kind of getting creative with different ideas you know do I make a tomato sauce or you know and ferment uh, you know something and all of these things so there's so much out there that, that we can bound upon. So it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I'm pretty excited about lately, and we're going to, I'm going to develop more recipes like this. So there are certain food items like ingredients that I love to use, but I don't use them all that often and you want them to be fresh. So it's one of those things that 
and I'll give you some examples, you'll, you'll know what I mean, but it's one of those things like I don't use it all that often, but when I want to use it, I really want to use it and it has to be fresh. And it, it's one of those things that when I want to make a dish like this, I have to go to the store. And I, I hate that. I don't want to go to the <laughs> store. So, so here's an example, ginger. I love cooking with ginger, but you buy it and it goes in the refrigerator and I might not use it for two weeks. I mean, I only use it on some very specific dishes and you go to use it and it's not very fresh anymore. So you can freeze it, but then it's not quite the same. So what I've learned is that, and ginger is a good example and I'll give you a couple others, but with ginger, what I do is I take fresh whole ginger and I'll buy it in bulk, a couple pounds of it, and I'll chop it up and I leave skins and everything on it. I just kind of chop it up rough and I throw it in a brine and let it ferment. And you can let it go a week, you can let it go a month, you can probably let it go six months. Um, and then what you do is, is you take that brine and the, the ginger that's in there and you start to blend it and you add brine until you get the consistency you want. What you're looking for is kind of a paste. And now you have this fermented ginger paste that actually tastes more like ginger than fresh ginger. The, the ginger flavor kind of explodes when you ferment ginger. And now I have this paste that's even easier to cook with than fresh ginger. And it's better than fresh ginger. And it's got probiotics and it lasts forever. So I've, I've been finding other things to do. Like I've, I've always done ginger. I love that one. You can do fermented garlic paste. If you don't want to, you know, try to always have fresh garlic around, you do fermented garlic paste. One that I'm doing a lot of this year and absolutely love it. I'm doing fermented pepper pastes. So all the different peppers I'm growing in my garden, I have some that are really hot. I have some that are sweet and hot, but I, I you, Again, instead of always trying to have fresh chilies or peppers around, and honestly, it's not easy to cook with fresh chilies. You can, it, it's, it's, you oh. know, you can get that one big bite of, and it's too hot and it doesn't, you know, kind of blend into the dish as well. Now I just take the peppers, do the same thing. I rough chop them, throw them in a brine, let them sit in there a week or a month, doesn't really matter much. Uh, and then I just um, blend those down into a paste. And now I have this pepper paste that's really easy to cook with because it blends right into your food really easily. And it'll last months or a year or longer. And I, I'm, this is like one wow. of the best things I've, I've discovered about cooking is creating these pastes out of, you know, those kind of ingredients that you just don't ever seem to have fresh when you need them. I'm curious, is that what, you know, the Asian red chili paste is? Is it fermented? Yes. Yep, absolutely. That explains why it has that very, um, you know, like in-depth, like, right. flavor. That is really interesting. I always wonder what it is exactly, how they get that flavor. So that makes sense. You know, I don't remember the exact time, um, but um, Tabasco. Tabasco sauce. I've watched a mm -hmm. show on that. It's absolutely fascinating. They take those Tabasco chilies, and that's a very specific chili. And they take the Tabasco chilies and they pack them into wooden um, barrels, like wine barrels. Um, and they salt them and pack them in there. 
And I think, if I remember right, they let those ferment for like three years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I, 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 didn't, I never think of Tabasco as, because it's so popular, you see it at every restaurant. It's never a uh, sauce that really, you know, appeals to me. It, right. It's just, it's been so, there forever. And yeah, but I think they ferment that stuff for like yeah. three years. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah. You know, I like this idea of you having all these ingredients that, you know, like you said, that you have on hand and you go to use them and then they're going to pass their, you know, um, sage is one of those things. Like right now in the garden, we have so much sage and it's one of those things that I can never get creative with a recipe. So that's something that maybe I'll, I'll start to work on here. Like, you, can you do that with, um, respect? You could. You just gave me another idea. One of the one of my favorite herbs, and it's absolutely the hardest to deal with. It doesn't last long. It's even hard to grow. Um, it's not hard to grow, but it's hard to grow. You have a very, very short window where it's usable. Uh, cilantro. I love cilantro. Yeah. But it's fragile. You get it from so the store, I. and two days later, it's moldy and, and all, you know, brown and slimy. Um, when you try to grow it, it doesn't like heat. So in the middle of summer, it's almost impossible to grow. It just keeps bolting and it gets bitter. Uh, so you try to grow it around spring and fall, but you, I mean, you grow a plant and you wait three weeks for it to get big enough to use. And then you can only use it for about a week and then it starts to flower and it gets bitter. So it's, it's really a, a hard herb to keep around and keep fresh so I, I maybe I'll work on that. Maybe I could make a fermented cilantro paste. And if I could, you could do that with any you know, herb then. I don't see why you cilantro. couldn't. I don't see why not either. But cilantro for me as well. I tried growing cilantro in, I think, three different places, in the Virgin Islands, in Florida, and in Hawaii, and I have failed every single time. Too much heat. Cilantro. The last, you, yeah, you know, the last time... It was, um, it bolted, just like you said. Yeah, it just shoots right up in a day. It, it, you, you look at it one day, and it's a beautiful plant, and the next day it's, it's grown three feet, and it went to flower, and it gets bitter, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a really hard herb to deal with. So I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to get me a, a couple of big idea. bunches of organic cilantro, and I'm going to try to make cilantro paste. Cool. Definitely keep us posted on that. Yeah. What about sage? What do you do with sage? You know, sage is one of those weird herbs. It's like the only thing we ever match sage with is turkey. Oh, yeah. Gosh, that's better than me. I think the only thing that I've really, you know, come across, you know, sage, like in terms of like eating at a restaurant and having like the full experience with sage. it's always been a like an agnolotti, like a pasta dish with brown butter sauce. It, there you go. Yeah, I have seen it like that. It works good with poultry. So any poultry, you can do some pretty creative stuff with sage. You know, one of the things I've done with it, and I'm pretty sure I saw had this in a restaurant once, um, deep fry the leaves and use them as garnish. Oh, that's right. We actually did that in culinary school. Yeah. We made them nice and crispy. Yeah, yeah, le- sage leaves good. hold up to that really well. You can just deep fry the whole leaf, and then you could just, like, you put a whole deep fried leaf right on, like, a chicken 
a, you know, a nice roasted chicken thigh. And it, it, at that point, it almost becomes like a dried herb. Oh, yeah. And you know what else I just thought of? Sweet potato. It, it matches really well with sweet potato. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? We do a, um, we do a recipe called sweet potato lasagna. Uh, where we make a very traditional lasagna, but we replace the noodles with uh, thin slices of sweet potato. How about putting a little sage in? That would be good. Oh, I bet. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to create some new recipes here. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> but by the way, you had a call that came in about Popeye's fried. <laughs> yeah, and I was. I was shocked. I was shocked when I heard him say that that Popeye's fries or chicken in, um, I think it was... Beef tallow. Beef tallow. Yeah. So I looked it up, and it's all over the place. Apparently, it goes it's different uh, depending on the state that you're in. That Louisiana uses only lard, and then you have different um, states. But most of them, I think, are using a mixture of... Cottonseed oil, tallow, and an anti-protein agent. Yeah. I don't want everyone to, uh, I don't want all of our followers to go to Popeye's at their next. Well, they shouldn't. Yeah. They shouldn't be going anyway, because even if they are frying in beef tallow, it's all wheat flour. That's the worst part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a thought about that. What was it? Um, Oh, yeah. You know. How you'll hear people say, um, you know, how McDonald's French fries used to be so good and then they changed. Yeah. Well, yeah. In McDonald's always used beef tallow. That was why their French fries were so good. But they switched to vegetable oils, cottonseed oil, because of the whole saturated fat scare. And they got it completely wrong. They really should go back to using beef tallow. It it was much better. And here's the other thing that they have proven. That for fast food workers, that with the fryers using cottonseed and vegetable oils, the fumes are carcinogenic. Oh, I bet they are. They are. I feel the they, same way about any kind of food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they when no, when you are around Yeah, they have cases of people who have worked around those flyers for years and get cancer and they they have traced it back to uh, the fumes from those oils. You know, speaking of saturated fat and them getting it wrong, there was a new paper that came out called Saturated Fat, Villain, and Boogeyman in the Development of Cardiovascular Disease. And at the end of it, they say the findings from the studies reviewed in this paper indicate that the consumption of saturated fatty acids is not significantly associated with cardiovascular disease risk, events, or mortality. And then they actually said that saturated fatty acids naturally occurring in nutrient-dense foods can be safely included in the diet. Isn't that amazing? It that is. actually came out in a paper? It is. And what's, what's more amazing is there are about a gazillion doctors, nurses, and nutritionists who will still tell you that saturated fat's going to kill you. Yeah. I, I think they still believe it. I, they absolutely do. 
They are so brainwashed over this. Um, you know, it's it, it kind of funny. I was in the grocery store yesterday, and I wasn't necessarily eavesdropping on people, but they were standing right next to me as I was looking for something, and they were talking. <laughs> and the guy was, he's, and I don't think they knew each other either. I think they were just like random people in the grocery store that started talking to each other. And the one guy saying, he's like, I'm, I'm so confused. He's, he's like, I don't know. And he, he was worried more about his mother for some reason. She had some sort of an illness and she was struggling. And, he, and he's like, I, I really want to help her. He says, but I, you know, I, I, I feel like these animal fats really are good for us, but everybody tells me they're not. And I, I thought, that's pretty incredible that he's kind of picked up on this on his own, but he's confused. And why wouldn't you be? If you tried to go research this, you're much more likely to find out that, you know, oh, no, you should never go near the stuff. So I, 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 you know, I hesitate to talk to people when they haven't asked for advice. But I just kind of I just kind of said, you're on the right track. Animal fats are really, really good for us. That, that was all I said. And he lit up and he's like, really? Tell me more. And so I, we started talking and I, I didn't think I was going to get out of the grocery uh -huh. store. But yeah, but it's pretty incredible. That is, you know, it's just a shame that these seed oils are so inexpensive to mass produce because if, you know, you had an animal fat next to a seed oil, if you're going just by taste alone, anyone who knows better is going to be drawn to the animal fat. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're so expensive for a lot of people. My absolute favorite is duck fat. Same. <laughs> oh, so good. We go through so much that. <laughs> I know. I know. We do, too. Um, uh, you know, it, it's uh, uh, most people are shocked at how much butter we go through. But if you think about it, um, a, a regular stick of butter is, is that eight tablespoons? Is a regular stick of butter eight tablespoons? Sounds right. That sounds about right. So if you think about that, um, with Brittany here right now, I do three cups of, of NDK coffee every morning. I make the coffee every morning. So with three of us here, we go through almost a stick of butter a day. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I'd say about a stick of butter, what, every two, two and a half days Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I, we buy butter by yeah. the case. Um, constantly we buy butter by the case. I, I never, now I, ne other than when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I did grow up on margarine. It was that whole sixties, seventies thing. Everybody ate margarine. Um, but it was sometime as a teenager, I got interested in cooking pretty early. Um, my mom was an awesome cook. She cooked all the time. That's probably what inspired me. I, I just started cooking myself pretty early. And when I did, and I don't even remember why, I switched to butter. I think it was just strictly taste. And back then, when you're 14, you feel yeah. like you're invincible anyway. You're not worried that, you know, something's going to give you a heart attack. So I, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I think I tasted butter and I'm like, well, where's this been all my life? Um, and ever, I've used butter ever since. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I really, you know, as an adult, I've never done the margarine thing.
All right. Let's. uh, We lost you, Kevin. Oh, are you there? Hello? Lauren, I can still hear you. Oh, Oh, there you are. Okay, Okay. good. All right, good. Um, We're going to grab another call. We're going to go to Utah. Doug, welcome to the program. Well, I think uh, I want to first thank both of you guys for everything that you guys do. Uh, Second thing is uh, the race is on for a cilantro paste. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, uh, you got me going, I'm, I gotta try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but I, uh, you mentioned quite a, quite a few times in a lot of different shows, you eat, eat a lot of white rice and trying to research that. Like if you're trying to find out if animal fat's good for you, you're going to get <laughs> all sorts of different, uh, answers and you don't know which one's which, but you eat a lot of white rice. You mentioned a couple weeks ago, you have a couple times a week. Um, for instance, like rice pudding, I love rice pudding. Haven't had it for years since we started eating, uh, we're kind of carnivorous, uh, very little vegetables. We do eat a lot of root vegetables, also confusing and honey. I use honey sweetener in my pemmican, um, yeah. a little bit yeah. in some of my jerky that I make. Um, but what, what is too much honey or uh, a good quality maple syrup. What, what is too much on that? And resistance starts on the white rice or however, how, how are you eating the rice? It's a grain. I'm grain free. I'm confused. Yeah, I know. And, and I'm grain free too. Or I say that and it, Oh, I'm sorry, Lauren, go ahead. Right. <laughs> no, it's, I'm just saying it's a great question. And it, and I, it really depends on your bio individuality and how, you react to carbohydrates in your diet. Really, it's an individual answer and an individual question. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, so okay. And I'll kind of give you my take on it from my point of view, and and then you can kind of apply it to yourself. So for the first, oh, I, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but for the first four or five years of eating this way, I didn't touch rice because it's high in carbohydrates and it was a grain. But then the more research we did on it, the more we figured out that white rice really isn't a grain. I mean, it is, but it, we've stripped off all of the stuff that makes grains bad for us. Mostly what's bad in grains are the proteins, the gluten, the gliadin. There are lots of others that we don't even talk about. But all of that gets stripped off of brown rice when you turn it into white rice. And all that's left is just starch. So it's, it's similar to something like cassava root. I mean, we use a ton of cassava root and arrowroot and all these other roots that are very starchy. And that's all white rice is. It, it really isn't a grain anymore. All that's left is the starch. But it is very high in carbohydrates. So that's why we don't talk about it a lot and we eliminate it in the beginning. And you really shouldn't consume it again until you're metabolically healthy. Uh, you know, how do we determine that? Okay. Well, there, there's lots of ways we could. And then at that point, what is too much? Well, one of the things I watched for as soon as I started adding rice back into my diet is, will I gain weight? If I add something back into my diet and I start gaining weight, that's an indicator that I would probably stop. Um, when I added white rice back in, oh. the first couple times, I actually did gain a little bit of weight. I had to be careful. I couldn't eat it every week. 
Well, over time, I just think the longer we do this, the more metabolically healthy we get. I just said yesterday, I think it was, I used to come on the air a lot and say, I can change my carbohydrate count and tell you what my weight is going to be in two weeks. If I add 30 grams of carbohydrates a day, I'll be 10 pounds heavier in three weeks. Somewhere along the line, that changed. I now can consume, I could consume 100 grams of carbs a day or more and I don't gain any weight. So I think my, my metabolism can now handle that. Now, I, I don't eat that much all the time, but once or twice a week, there are probably days that I do go over 100 grams of carbs. And, and you know, some of those days are okay. pretty heavily carnivore. I mean, I still eat mostly meat. But I, I have been throwing in these other carbohydrates. Now, I have noticed that if, if I go a little, I, I've probably let more sugar creep back into my diet over the last couple of weeks, playing around with some things. And what I've noticed is I'm, over the last couple of weeks, I started experiencing muscle pain and I'm not recovering from it. You know, I know I was doing a lot of new activities, the wing foiling, and I was working really hard in the garden, and I did a big light project on the coach that I was sore from. But I'm not recovering the way I used to. The pain is kind of lingering. Like every day I wake up right now and I've got muscle pain. And I'm thinking I may have allowed too many carbohydrates to sneak back in right now. So I'm probably going to cut that back again. So to answer your question, really, it comes down to what okay. Lauren was saying. You kind of just have to experiment on this kind of stuff. We don't have any hard numbers. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm obviously not ready. Because <laughs> what I can do is some, I introduce carbs and I immediately start feeling it more in my joints and whatnot. So the, I, uh, and that, I, I seem to be very quick to respond to it. And I used to be. And I, it, that's changed over time. But I think I found a limit again. There is a limit. If I bring too much of this back into the diet, and it's weird, I, um, grains will certainly give me joint pain instantly. If my omega-3 gets out of whack, I'll get joint pain. But for some reason, when I brought some of these carbohydrates back in, and they're all clean, it's like fruit and honey and white rice, nothing, nothing really dirty. Um, but I, I got this weird muscle pain back. Where, and I can't even say back. The muscle pain thing's kind of new. So I'm really trying to figure out what it is. I'm dealing with it like right now. Today I'm sore again, and I shouldn't be. I haven't done anything physical in the last two days. I even, I've stopped my protocol okay. for right now. Now, I, I, I think I'm going to get back to the protocol today. Uh, I've been off it for a week or two because of all the other activity I was doing. I just, my body battery just wasn't holding up. I was just too active already. And I didn't want to throw the protocol in. It probably would have just made things worse. Now that I've slowed down a little bit. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I was going to ask about that because you start including the, you know, the wing, you know, foiling. And then I couldn't imagine you doing that with the protocol that you were doing on top of it. So. You know what I should have that done? I, I learned something. What I did was I was so excited. I just wanted to get out and go foiling. So, you know, as soon as I got off the air, if there was any wind at all, I would just go right out and I'd spend, you know, three or four hours out there till I was just exhausted. What I should have done is I should have done the protocol first. 
and then used up whatever energy I had uh-huh. left to go wing foiling. Because once I get out on the wing, I'm not going to quit till I'm exhausted. And then I, I, I just don't have the energy yeah. left to do. So I, I'm going to get back to doing the protocol every day and then I'll go do other stuff after that. Gotcha. That's actually a better way to do it. You're right. Yeah. Anything else, Doug? Uh, just on the, on the honey, um, for instance, like uh, we do bulletproof coffee and my wife likes having a little honey in her coffee in the morning. Okay. And I'm, I'm, my question is, uh, it's local honey every day. Is that, that's too much? Um, again, does your body react to that type? Well, it sugar is sugar. So let's start there. Carbohydrates are carbohydrates. Our body, we, we can, you know, we, we really don't even try to separate complex and simple anymore. They're carbohydrates. We need to watch them all. Um, sugars and starches, they all react kind of the same, but if we're going to have a sweetener in our life, and most of us probably will use some, as far as metabolically, your body reacts the same to all of it. I don't care whether it's honey or maple syrup or maple sugar, or white sugar, brown sugar. Our body reacts the same metabolically. The difference is if I'm going to use a sweetener, I, I would like to at least have some nutrition in it. Honey has tons of great benefits. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to use a sweetener, use honey. Local raw honey has tons of benefits. Maple syrup, good organic maple syrup is loaded with minerals, trace minerals. So those things at least have a little bit of benefit to come along with the sugar load. And, and then you just, you know, you moderate them somewhat, you, you know. And over time, you find that you don't need as much sweetness. The longer you can stay away from sweet things, the less you'll crave them. I agree. Right. Okay. And for me, I like okay. to associate my coffee with something salty as opposed to sweet. Because I think that you can do that. You can kind of trick your head into thinking that salty the flavor of coffee as opposed to that, sweet. And I do that by adding a little sprinkle of um, Himalayan salt on the top. That's and interesting. With the butter. Yeah. I have a little salt. Um, and then another thing that you can do if you don't want to do the honey, but you want to kind of trick your mind into thinking it's sweet, is coconut oil. Just unrefined coconut oil has, we always associate coconut with sweet for whatever reason, because usually coconut items are sweet. And so even that can kind of trick your mind into thinking something sweet. But all in all, as long as she's including healthy fats and maybe even some collagen in there, um, I'd rather your wife have a little bit of sweet with some fat and protein than have it on its own because it does give you less of a spike. Um, but, you know, it's better than, than having just like black coffee with, with honey, for sure. Yeah, good point. Okay. Okay, yeah, we do the uh, MCT oil, the uh, coconut uh, oil, um, butter. So, yeah, and then she good. puts a little squirt of honey in there all yeah. the time. Yeah, you know, I, so, I, well, I, that I, answers my question. Most days, I probably have a teaspoon of honey. I tend to do one 
Um, one mug of tea a day, usually like herbal teas or sometimes green teas or black teas or whatever. I just like all kinds of tea. Uh, and I almost always put a teaspoon of honey in like a 12 ounce cup. Got it. Okay. Can you taste the honey? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Honey in tea changes it completely. You know, it, it's a little bit of taste. Okay. I don't put that much in. It's a little bit of sweetness, but you know what? It changes more than the, the flavor, the sweetness. It changes the mouthfeel. You know, uh, um, tea is just uh, really thin. It doesn't have any body. When you put some honey in there, it gets some body and some mouthfeel. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because I don't do honey in my coffee because I find that I would have to add quite a bit. Really. Correct. The, yeah, when you when you put all that butter in there, it'll cover up a lot of sweetness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Does that help, Doug? That helps. That helps tremendously. I appreciate it. And, uh, um, I do have her addicted to the fermented salsa. My recipe is pretty simple. It's 10 of everything and five habaneros. And, uh, boy, it's just, uh, we eat it by the gallon. Why, why, and I'm wondering this, why is there not, not that I've found anywhere and I look all the time, why is there not a fermented salsa on the market? It is so good. I, I don't know, and I have my friends come over to the house, show me how you do it. I, I have very little tomatoes. I had 10, 10 tomatoes, 10 Roman tomatoes, uh, 10 serranos, 10 jalapenos, uh, a whole purple onion, a whole white onion, a bushel of cilantro, uh, three cloves <laughs> of garlic, five habaneros, and it's all chopped up, a little salt. And it sits on the counter for four days, goes in the fridge. Oh, I got it all in little jars. So they're all kind of curing at different right. different times. Right. And, uh, oh, we eat it by the spoonful. And then uh, that's my uh, kefir or kefir or whatever. I just, I drink the juice at the end. And it just, uh, <laughs> you said something the other day. Uh, that's my devil water. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> That's go. That's my devil water. Yeah, my mom, my mom says you're going to burn your stomach, and I says I don't think so. <laughs> no, and and let me let me put your mind at ease. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that that brine that you're drinking that your mom thinks is going to burn your stomach, and I want you to drop something <laughs> in it. I don't know pennies, whatever. Let it sit there for a week. Now, if we could pull some stomach acid out of you. And put it in a cup and start dropping things in it. They will dissolve. Right. Exactly. Your stomach acid can dissolve metal. I'm pretty sure my salsa brine won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So your your stomach Uh, is safe. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I yeah, it tastes so good. I'm not worried about it. I'll deal with it later. No, it is. Oh, uh, hey. Let, yeah. me, let me give you yeah, another. My wife took the last batch. Let, let me yes. give you another drop dead simple fermenting recipes. It might be the easiest thing ever to ferment, and people go nuts over this one. Even people who don't like things fermented. Cherry tomatoes. Okay. Cherry tomatoes really? ferment 
excellent. And then I took it to another level. People love it because they say when they pop, they're almost a little effervescent. They're almost fizzy. And they just love the, and the flavor gets stronger. But here's the way to take it right over the top. Throw in a handful in, into a pint. I'll put, you know, as many cherry tomatoes as it fits. But before I put in the tomatoes, I'll throw in a handful of fresh basil. And I'll slice a good-sized clove of garlic or two. I'll slice it thin. Put the basil and the garlic in the bottom. Put in your cherry tomatoes. Pour the simple brine. The same brine we use for everything. Two tablespoons to a quart. Um, Pour that over. Let it sit out for four or five days. They are incredible. Have you ever had a caprese salad? Oh, yeah. No. So a caprese salad is one of my favorites. It's fresh, really good tomatoes, basil, and um, fresh, soft mozzarella cheese. And then some people put a little bit of balsamic vinegar over it, and you eat it like a salad. The cheese, a slice of tomato or cherry tomatoes, and then some fresh basil, a little bit of balsamic vinegar. When you make these tomatoes like that, all you do is eat the tomato itself, and it feels like a caprese salad exploded in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, they are so good and they're just drop dead simple. Oh, I have to try that. Yeah, that's a big hit. Every, yeah, I, I just made them, just made them the first time a couple weeks ago and, Lisa does not like fermented stuff. She doesn't like that sour fermented taste. She just doesn't. I've tried all kinds mm-hmm. of recipes. And this one, she was almost hesitant to try it, but she's pretty brave about stuff. She almost wiped out the whole pint. And that's the only fermented thing <laughs> she eats, really. Wow. I want to try the garlic and honey. Oh, that's another good one. I heard that the other day, and I have not done that yet. And uh, I just take a clove of garlic, cover it with honey, and put it on the shelf. Yep. Right? Yep. That's it. Chop it up. Or uh, or leave it whole. Slice it or poke holes in it, you said? Uh, I I didn't do anything like that. I peeled mine and left mine whole, and I did it. Okay. And put in enough honey to cover the, the garlic or it should be covered. You put in more yeah. honey than that? or well, You can put in more, but it, at okay. the very least, the garlic should be completely covered. And I forget what all you were saying. You can use that for like, uh, you know, uh, some anything you want. dishes or Chinese, Chinese food yeah. or it, it, anything. Anything you would use garlic for, it does pick up that honey sweetness. But remember, you're not putting a whole lot of garlic into a dish. So the sweetness isn't going to be overpowering right. at all. It's almost like just a little bit of background flavor, and it's, it can be really good. Awesome. I'll try it. All right. There you go. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. Um, Lauren, speaking of food and all that, we've uh, we've definitely been busy in the garden. Um, this year, we've kind of got a really good system going, though. I'm doing the harvesting part, and then I bring all the stuff in, and Lisa's really been in the kitchen a lot lately. She's been doing all the cooking part, and then I do the canning part. 
So it's really working out well. And we've just been cranking out all kinds of different uh, tomato products. Like right now, it's been, you know, a, a really heavy meat sauce with, you know, some Italian sausage in it and loaded with mushrooms. And, oh, it is so good. I think we've done in the last week. Oh, I bet it. Yeah, in the last week, I think we've done 12 quarts. And I think I've got a, there's a big batch in the refrigerator now, probably another six or seven quarts I'll probably do today. And that's probably only, I think it's actually a little less than about half of our tomato crop so far. Gosh, you guys had a really good tomato year. Yeah. And after that, the peppers, I'm waiting for the peppers to start turning. Um, because when I do sauces, pepper sauce, did do you, I don't know if you'd know this or not. I keep meaning to go look this up. I don't believe that there are any peppers that are supposed to be green. I think all green peppers are actually unripe. Jalapeno, even? Oh, jalapenos will turn red. Jalapeno. Now, poblano might be the one. That was another one I thought of that might be a true green pepper. I have to go look that up. But I jal- love poblano. Yeah, I do, too. Um, jalapenos, the traditional jalapeno is ripe when it's fully red. It's not supposed to be green. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jalapeno is... Do they get hotter? They do get a little hotter, and they they actually get a little sweeter, too, though. They get both. Oh. Yeah, they get a little more heat, and they get a little more sweetness when they turn red. But that's a ripe, mature jalapeno is red. Right, on the plant. Yeah, once you pick it, it won't change color. It's not like a tomato. You have to leave it on the plant until it turns fully red. Now, there are some varieties. I have some jalapenos growing in the garden this year, and they're actually called pumpkin spice jalapenos. They finish bright orange. Yeah, they're beautiful. So if nothing else, I grow them just because they they look awesome in the garden. No, they'll never turn red. They go from green to bright orange. And you'll eat them when they're bright orange. Yeah. Now, you can eat them green. Most or people eat jalapenos green. Like right. But but I, when I make a yeah. sauce, I really like to let them go. They get that depth and the sweetness and a little more heat. Then the oh, other thing, that what, yeah. got me, what got me thinking about this was, I don't know why I did this. I'm trying to think back to what my thought process was. For some reason this year, I grew Hungarian wax peppers. But I have no idea why. Like, I, these plants are growing in, yet, you know, all pepper plants look about the same till the pepper comes out, and then you see that it's a different pepper. So I planted all these pepper plants, and I'm looking at them one day, and I'm like, why are those so pale yellow? So I, you know, went back through all my seeds, and I'm like, I grew, why did I plant these? And I have a lot of them. So I thought, all right, how do I know when to harvest these? Because like the jalapenos, I'm not going to harvest till they're, you know, deep red. Habaneros start off green and then they'll either turn, you know, deep red or some habanero varieties are a bright orange. Mine this year, really bright orange. Um, So I'm thinking, how do I know when to harvest these wax peppers? Well, it turns out these pale yellow wax peppers are going to turn red. They're not ripe until they actually turn red. Yeah. 
I wonder what they taste like. Well, that's the good news. So my jalapenos, I've said this, my jalapenos just aren't getting hot. And I have a lot of them, and they're big, and they're beautiful, and they're healthy-looking. They're just not producing any heat. Um, so I was a little worried. I was hoping I'm going to have enough habaneros to make up for it. But I pulled one of these um, Hungarian, and I've always thought of them as not hot. But I pulled one off, and I ate it. Oh. They have a lot of heat. So what I went and checked was... <laughs> They they are easily confused with a banana pepper. They look just like a banana pepper. And banana peppers have no heat. Oh, they aren't very hot at all. Yeah, yeah. they're that pale yellow. They have no heat. That's exactly what this Hungarian wax pepper looks like, but it's got it's got more heat than a jalapeno. Uh, well that'll be interesting. Yeah. So, so what's the jalapeno that, that don't develop heat? You just use them like a regular, because they kind of taste like a green pepper to me when they don't have That's exactly what they, like that? right. Yep. You just eat them like that. Okay. Yeah, and I'll put them in my sauce, but then I'll have to add other peppers that have, like I'll put in more habanero and it has so much heat that it'll make yeah. up for that. And I'm growing another one that yeah. is I, um, this deep, beautiful purple. It's so purple. It's almost black and they're called scorpion tongue peppers. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they are hot. They are screaming hot. So I only have two little plants, so I don't have a lot of those. But I, all I need is when I put all the peppers together, I want the right heat level. So maybe my jalapenos will develop some heat by the time they're done. Um, but if not, then I'll just maybe have to add more habaneros or more of the scorpion tongue till I get the heat level the way I want it. Yeah, luckily you have some, some hot ones to play around with. That yeah. would be helpful. Yeah, but the, the amount of peppers, I am just absolutely blown away. I'm thinking there's probably a couple factors going on. One, um, last year was the first year I did cover crops, so I didn't, all winter long, I didn't leave the dirt bare. There was something growing all winter. I have a blend of seven different cover crops that I use, and it really improves the soil. I mean, it's incredible. I've never seen anything. I was wondering that. Yeah, I've never seen anything change yeah. the soil so fast as putting in a good cover crop blend. Uh, and last year was the first year I did that. What's that? Do you test your soil? Do you yes. test your soil regularly? I do. Yeah. And how do you do that? Where do you send it? Um, I haven't ever sent anything out. I have a uh, device okay. that will measure pH, uh, moisture, um, and pH is pretty and important. Um, sunlight, how much sunlight is reaching that spot, the soil temperature. I don't test for nutrients or anything like that. So I test for kind of those basic okay. soil features, the, the moisture content, the pH, yeah. Because I know that once I start working on the soil, the nutrients are going to be there. And you can almost see when you've got nutrients yeah. in your soil. It, 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 what it's supposed to look like, your soil should look like chocolate cake. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, should look like chocolate cake. Uh, and okay. mine does. Yeah, so yeah, my... You're, you're adding some healthy stuff to yours with the compost. And, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm amending yeah, the soil constantly with compost and, 
Yeah. So, and, and I use a lot of straw, uh, cover things with straw that breaks down and, and feeds the soil. And then there are plants. Um, when I pull up a plant during the summer, like let's say I pull up a carrot or a beet or whatever, sometimes I'll put another carrot or beet back in because you have plenty of time and you'll grow another one before the season's over. Um, towards the end of the season, like now, every time a plant gets pulled up right now in the garden, I either plant a pea or a bean. And I have no hope that I'll get any oh. peas or beans from them. It's too late in the season. We don't have enough summer left to start a plant today and actually get a pea or beans out of it. But I plant them anyway because those two are really good for the soil. Gotcha. And it's cheap. I mean, I you beans and peas, the, the bean and the pea is the seed. So when you harvest your beans and peas, you just set a couple aside and that's your seeds. So it doesn't cost anything. And it's really good to just keep something growing in the ground all the time. And those are about the two best. Gotcha. Nice. That's a good good way to do it. Yeah. In fact, the seven crop blend that I have, um, it has legumes in it, beans and peas, because they're so good for the soil. So that, that, so last, that was one big change last year. I did the cover crops all winter and I could see the soil got much better. Uh, So things are growing better because the soil's improved, but I also did a couple other things. Um, one is that pepper popper product. I have to believe that's a big part of this because as soon as I started putting it on, the plants went nuts. The other thing I did different this year, though, and I, I have a feeling this made a difference with the tomatoes, peppers, everything in the garden. I brought in the two different kinds of bees. In the spring, I had the mason bees and then all summer. Um, and even right now, I still have what are called leaf cutter bees. And they claim these are what they call solitary bees. They don't belong to a hive. There is no queen. They don't gather honey. They're just solitary bees. They just kind of live on their own. Um, and then they'll lay an egg. And, so they're just pollinators. Yeah. And, Where do they, uh, do they leave your garden at some point in the winter and do they come back? How does that? Yeah. So that's the interesting thing. So right now I'm renting bees. And the mason bees you bring out in the spring, and they have a really short life cycle. They only live for a couple of weeks. Okay. And then they're gone for the rest of the summer. And then they'll, if, if you have a hatching block, they will lay their eggs inside the holes of the hatching block. And then next spring, I should get new mason bees. But until I know I have enough yeah. of my own... I just buy a new block of mason bee eggs every year in the spring, and then they hatch and they do their thing for a couple of weeks. And then I think after a year or two, if I create the right environment, I should start to get my own mason bees that just kind of stay and hang out and rehatch every year. Um, leaf cutter bees the same way. But the leaf cutter bees tend to stay almost all summer, and they're just great pollinators. You know, they actually, I've seen little, you know, close-up filming of them. You watch a honeybee come down, and the honeybee kind of barely lands on the flower and sucks the nectar. You watch these leafcutter bees and these mason bees, they like do a belly flop right into the middle of all the pollen, and then they like roll around in it. So they claim that one leafcutter bee will pollinate as much as like 50 honeybees. 
Wow. Okay. And and that's the thing that changed this year. My, you know, my plants have always been nice and healthy looking and they put out a certain amount of produce. Well, this year the plants are healthy looking and they're putting out about three times as much produce per plant. Incredible. Just from the, the pollinators. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, some improvements in the soil. Um, the pollinators yeah. and, oh, some of the, the plant food that I'm using, some of the trace minerals really seem to make a difference. Okay. So you've made all those changes. Yeah. Three of them. And, and I have a feeling they all had an impact. Oh, hey, we've got some more call. Are you still good today? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good. All right. Let's take some more calls. Yeah. Let's go to Oklahoma. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, just a quick clarification. Being from Brooklyn, New York, we say mozzarella, not mozzarella. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, got it. You know, New York, you have to understand, when you say calamari, it, it's, it goes through my veins. It's galamad. Okay? Really? Oh. <laughs> uh, that. Actually, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of uh, funny. I, I'm reading a new Stephen King book right now. And, hello? Hello? We yeah, still, I got you now. Okay. I got you now. Yeah, I'm reading a new Stephen King book right now. Um, and it's, it's this, this, the basic storyline is there's an alternative parallel universe to ours. You know, it still has human beings in it, but it, it evolved very differently than ours did. And the main character ends up over That's in New York. Exactly. That's <laughs> kind of where I'm going with this. The, the main character ends up in this alternative universe and they speak English, but they use different words for things than we do. You know, kind of like the British. The British are like that, too. They have they I mean, it's the yes. same language, yes. but they use different words And Brooklyn's kind of the same way. But in what happens is when he's hearing something, he hears his version of the slang word, not what they said. So oh, and you just okay. said you did that when you hear me say calamari, you yeah. hear something completely different. That's that's the kind of one of the features of this book. It's it's a big part of the book. They're saying one thing, he's hearing a different word. Right, right. I got you. I got you. Well, I called for two two quick reasons, two quick things. Uh, I wanted to personally thank Lauren. She reached out for me when I was trying to find. Some kind of information on that neurofibromatosis. Um, you know, it. Uh, I, do you remember that, Lauren? I do. Re I do remember that, and you're absolutely welcome. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it's you, you start to talk to people. I have a girl that works in a truck stop I normally frequent, and she, we were talking about, believe it or not, about grandkids, sort of like Bill Clinton and, and Loretta Lynch was doing on the runway. But anyway. <laughs> um, I, I was, no, but really, so she told me, she looked very troubled one day. So what's the matter? She, so she, a year-old grandson is fighting this, battling this thing, and he's going through everything, and it just broke my heart because I know my children, when they even caught a cold, I wanted to, I wanted to be sick for them. I know. I so know. it really, it really broke, it really hit home, like really in deep in my heart, and I, I went nuts, and I posted it for you and her, maybe because you guys research medical stuff all the time, you probably have a lot more resources that I don't even know where to look. 
I tried on Mercola's site. I didn't get anything. I even went as far in calling a functional medicine doctor in her area. And they're not financially well, but if it, if it wasn't going to be much, I was even going to offer that to them if the medical doctor had any ideas. But they, they didn't even know what it was. They, oh, come in. We could check. I, I didn't want to go through all of that. So right. I actually... Uh, I actually saw her for the first time yesterday and I just told her to, you know, he's five. It's hard to get five-year-olds to eat well. So I told her she has a little bit of a weight problem. I said, if you make it like a game and you know, you and her, you and him bond, um, he calls her Gigi, uh, Gigi and, and, and you bond over this and cook with him and make it like a fun thing. He'll eat, he'll eat healthy and he'll enjoy it and you can you can eat healthy and it'll drive you to go better i told her and it'll it'll be something that you guys can bond over excellent you know excellent so you know, yeah i i just i'm you know it just it it it's it's still weighing on my mind because i don't want to see any little baby with any kind of uh struggle like that you know and and from what i gather he's in good spirits and He's telling her, Gigi, don't worry, I'll be fine. He's five years old, this kid. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even oh, imagine, you know? know? So, wow. yeah. And, um, you know, so I wanted to thank Lauren personally. I, I did thank her on the post, but I just wanted to thank you. Because, you know, I, I, what I got out of it was it was, gen- it was truly genetic. And just, uh, I know our diets in general will help us with any situation that we face medically. Exactly. So, you know, I, yes. um, I want, you know, I, 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 any, anything else you think I can recommend to them? You know, you're absolutely right. And, and when I did look into it and there's not much information out there on it at all, I know right. that there are three different stages of it and it is genetic and it, you know, starts at a young age, typically, you know, um, he's yep. only five years old. So the only thing that I could think of at that moment was for a five-year-old is, you know, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, we always focus. You can't do anything until you focus on the foundation. That is the most important thing to do because you can do all these things, take all these supplements and even, you know, everything, thinking that you're doing things right. But if you're not focusing on the foundations, you're never going to get there. So right. really my, my initial thought was just sure that he's eating, you know, proper foods, make sure whoever's feeding him is educated on the different healthy fats, you know, um, you know, things like that. Just if she wants, you know, it's his, is it his grandmother that, that, that was asking about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So if she wants to, to give us a call, you know, and do a 10 minute, um, discovery call, I'm happy to give her some foundational information that just okay. will give her basically just provide some sound, you know, the, the fundamentals right. of food and, and really what to stay away from and what to make sure you're getting enough of. But I mean, Kevin, I'd love, you know, if you have any input here on it, but he's only five years old and he has a genetic disorder that um, causes tumors to develop all over, all over the body. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of with you. This is such a rare thing. It is truly genetic and and there aren't a lot of truly genetic diseases we have to deal with. So we, we can't really change the genetic component of this much. Although we do know that the proper diet and lifestyle can turn genes on and off in a good way. 
Whether this one could be turned off, I don't know. I, it, it, it seems rare. But, right. Well, that's what I, but, I kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, the idea of, you know, sometimes we look at something like this and go, oh, well, why bother? It's not diet, it's genetic. But we should take the exact opposite approach. Yeah. We could say, because he has a genetic condition, diet's going to become more important than ever. So we should really, and I well, know it's hard yeah, with, that, with kids and... And first, you got to get the parents right. on board. That's not easy. But I, right. I do believe, and I think all three of us believe, that the healthier he ate, you know, closer and closer to a paleo carnivore kind of diet, the healthier, healthier he's going to be and the better his outcomes are going to be. Well, that's, I kind of alluded that in our conversation last night when I was getting the fuels. She works at the fuels, uh, the fuel desk there. I said to her that, most of our most of our elements as we grow older, they say, is genetic. But most of the most of the time, is we eat the same as our parents. Correct. And sometimes we have the genetic markers to so so the foods react differently to everybody, and right. and we get the same the same afflictions. I said so. I said, yeah, this this looks like it's truly genetic, but you know, sometimes if they if you change your diet and you eat more healthy. You may be able to, to, you know, not reverse it, but maybe slow it down, I said to her. And it's not impossible to believe something could be reversed. We have reversed lots of conditions. Right. You can turn genes on and off. and It's possible. We just don't know enough about this one. But I have to believe that you will have much better outcomes by eating a good, clean diet. I, I think... The standard American diet, not only will it make this condition worse, but as you get metabolically less healthy, you can't handle these other conditions very well. So, you know, the, the best analogy right. I have is, is when somebody calls me about their truck and their fuel economy, and they're getting four and a half miles to the gallon, but they pull heavy. And if I ask them, well, what, do you, what have you done to improve? Well, nothing. Why would I bother? And it's the exact wrong approach. Why you should bother is because any little improvement for you is a huge monetary return. And yet we tend to right. ignore fuel mileage in those cases. This is kind of the same thing. You know, somebody may say, well, why bother with this natural health stuff? It won't fix his genetic condition. But that's wrong thinking. We should do everything we yeah. possibly can to give him a better chance of being healthy. Yes, and I also pointed out to her, I also pointed out to her, look how many young children now have type 2 diabetes by seven, eight years old. It's awful. It's all the genetically modified foods. It's all, it's all the, the processing. It's all the stuff that, you know, unfortunately that we've, we've won for cheaper and convenient more foods over the years. So, you know, I tried to give her a little different way of thinking about it. And because it's her grandson, I think she's going to try to, you know, and I, I'm sure his mother is, you know, she wants him well, too. I'm sure she'll try anything. She's a nice girl. I've met her, too. She's a very nice girl. Yeah, um, good. good. I don't I... know their whole situation, but, you know, I just, when she told me that, it just broke my heart. I wanted to really try to see what I can do to help her, you know. I, and um, I, I have a feeling uh, the outcome will be significantly better for this child if he, if he has a good diet. Yes, I, I, I truly believe the same thing. Um, real quick on this connect app this morning, a couple of things popped up on my connect app. One was the, uh, the HRV now, 
um, has a status which is balanced. I'm at 35. Okay. Which I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's balanced. I guess that's better than not being imbalanced, of course. Another thing that popped up here was this training status for some reason and recovery. Do you have that? No. I don't have that. Yeah, it just it just popped up out of you know, I, I do my my health screenshot real quick when I wake up in the morning. I just hit the hit the watch and let it run its two minute health right. screen. And then when I open my app up, it, it reloads the data from last night. And sometimes it takes a little while to get the battery battery and stuff like that up. But this thing popped up after it, after it rebooted. And it just says training status. It has nothing in it yet. And it says recovery. And when I open it up, it says uh, you are, your training has been low lately, but it's okay. You might need more time to recover. I don't know what that means. So, I, I I like the sound of VO, this. Yeah, it has a VO max. It has a H HRV status and a load. It's actually uh, it using load, three different areas. It's actually using VO max, really. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It has no data in it yet for me, for my for me. See, but I, I it just kind of popped up today. I have to believe if they're measuring VO max from a wrist device, that that's got to be one of the new sensors, and that maybe that's why it's just maybe they're rolling that out the same way because I don't have that yet. Uh, but I'd like to. Okay. That sounds like some really interesting numbers. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I uh, I just wanted to with you know tell you that yeah i haven't posted my numbers today now, now next week is going to be um i'm going to destroy my diet i'm going to new york for four days so there you go it's one of those things yep. i indulge myself when i go up there there you go <laughs> it happens That's i right. have some mutta and so, some galamad <laughs> there, there you go hey both of those are fine uh, but I'm sure the, uh, so I know, I know. I'm not even going to try to say it. I'm sure the calamari <laughs> is going to be deep fried and breaded. <laughs> of course it yeah. is. Actually, yeah. you know, there was one restaurant I used to frequent. They used to bake it with really? breadcrumbs on it. Of course yeah. it came yeah. out. So yeah, it was so good. So, you know, good. for when I, I mean, you know, this is when I was, you know, I should probably just do my own. It would work really good with arrowroot coating. Um, when I used to get it. I'm sure it was. There was a place I used to get it, and they, they called it salt and pepper calamari. And it was just, it really was heavily seasoned with both salt and pepper, and it was excellent. Right. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. I love calamari. I, I don't know. know if I would make it myself, though, because I spent so many years using squid as bait on the boat. <laughs> 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 there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I like the food posting, but the food I'm going to about to indulge in, I'm not posting. Exactly. I'll get all kinds of. Right. Exactly. You know, I can't. I can't count. Well, everyone, I can't count how many times I've talked about sardines or little mackerel, and somebody will always say, "What the hell are you doing eating bait fish?" I know. Oh, I'll tell you what. I I've had I've had friends who had restaurants who made me sardines in olive oil and you know grilled them or whatever. Oh, oh my god! Oh, it's oh. not even it's not even it's not even like the sardines in a can. Oh no! Now you're bringing up a whole different world here. So most of the time we talk about sardines yeah. or the mackerel in the can, and they're excellent. They're good, but. 
Um, I, one of the best I ever had, I was in, um, oh, shoot, what's that? Town in Northern California, right on the coast. They have a big golf event there all the time. Uh, Monterey. Is it Monterey? Monterey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, just on this little restaurant right on the coast, right on the ocean, and I got grilled whole sardines. Now, these sardines are probably, they're probably eight inches long. They're big. Yeah. These are, they're yeah, probably they're six yeah, to eight no, inches long. It wasn't a sardine long. that I've ever seen before. Right. Yep. But it, yep. it, it's a sardine. They, they get bigger. And like I said, about six to eight inches. They serve them whole, head, tail, everything's on, skin's all on, everything's there. They grill them. It is probably one of the best fish dishes I've ever eaten. Yes. Wow. Yeah, being, being uh, living in New York and having friends with really good high-end Italian restaurants. Like, I remember, I don't know, this must have been 20 years ago when tilapia was the big thing. <laughs> and yeah. my friend who had a nice, nice restaurant, I said, you know, Vinny, I said, I never see tilapia on your menu. He said, you never will. That's he true. said, it's a farm-raised fish. It's disgusting. It's toxic for you. Don't ever eat it. He, and I'm like, really? He exactly like, oh, correct. No, yeah, yeah. Is exactly correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. So, because I, you know, it was the biggest, the biggest thing at the time when tilapia first came out. Everybody, it was it, everywhere, all menus. It was, it was, it was cheap. Know. It's very light and yep. it's got a very, very mild seafood flavor. It has almost no flavor. That That's why people no liked flavor. it. Yeah. Correct. It was wildly popular. And then we found out they were growing them in awful conditions it's like nature's junk food right and what about i i remember reading something about how they're they're doing this genetically modified salmon i don't know if that's ever came to market or yeah. they, they squashed that program. no it's a real thing it's a, it's a real thing um he, here's he, this is all you need to know about this they only approved these salmon to be raised in two lakes. Now, this may have all changed as probably two years ago I did this research. Um, There were two lakes way, way up in the mountains in South America because they are worried about these things getting out into the wild and breeding with wild salmon. We probably probably, should not be taking this. Yeah, we should not be taking this risk ever. There's no, no reason to be producing these frankenfish. And if we're that worried about them cross-contaminating, it's probably going to happen. How are you going to stop that? I well, I, I, I believe they're trying to do this to try to scare the population into we need the food because you're going to have a shortage of this, a shortage of that, possibly. Oh, I believe they would love that, that, that all we could eat is manufactured food. There's a ton of profit in manufactured yeah. food. Yes. Yeah, if I want a salmon, all I have to do is walk down to the river I'm looking at and throw a line in, and I'll probably get one. They don't like that. Nice. It's also, you know, it's, it, it, <laughs> no. it, it's the same idea of why pharmaceutical companies hate cannabis. Oh, sure. I can grow my own. I can make my own medicine. They hate that. Yeah, anything they they can do to uh, to stop us from doing our own thing, yes. the better off they'll be. Yep, they want us completely dependent on them. Yep, yep, and we get they're growing a society that way. They are. There's a lot of and, them out there, and they're winning by far. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's not even close. Yep, yep, you're right. Well, I just got to my pickup here. Let me go check in. I've never been here before, so it's going to be fun. There you go. Um, I will... Uh, I'll, I'll post all my information up until Saturday, and Perfect. then I'm done. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Let's uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Matt, welcome to the program. Matt, Lauren, are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm hearing you. I think you must not realize that that we're um, on, but. Oh, wait a minute. What just happened here? Hey. Oh, I, oh wait a minute. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> hey, Angie. I, yes, I don't I, see Matt anymore. I, I know. That, how confusing is that? I was trying to put Matt on, and I got his wife instead. Well, that wasn't my Matt. It was a different Matt, but... Oh, was it? You got, you got me. Oh, yeah. I could have swore when I looked at that, it was it was Matt, Matt. Normally, I, I mean, I usually... Oh, I, Matt's calling back in, though. <laughs> but it's it's not the Matt I thought it was. It's another Matt. Got it. No. Okay. It's a different All right. Matt. I'll let you... I'll put you back in the screening room, then, so you can get him screened, and we'll take his call. I don't know why, when I looked at that, I thought it was Matt. Um... Anyway, where were we? Well, we just finished a call, so we're kind of at, you know, wherever we want to be, basically. You know, I think um, we'll take this call, we'll take Matt's call, and then we'll probably wrap this up. Anything else you want to do today? Um, I just have a question for you, but, uh, or not even a question, but I had um, something that I came across that I wanted to tell you about real quickly. Sure. Right, let's take Matt's call. Okay. Let uh, Angie's still talking to him. Soon as she puts oh, him okay. yeah, into the queue, I'll grab him here. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Matt, welcome. Hey, I'm here now, Kevin. Thank you. There you go. Um, you got me? Yep. So. Um, just real quick. Thanks to Lauren. Uh, she actually uh, did a, uh, discovery call with my wife yesterday, and then she did a discovery call with my sister last week. And they're both super excited about getting their protocols and just wanted to thank her real quick. Excellent. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, it's a pleasure yep, to work yep. with both so, of them. Yep. Excited. So they're, they're, they're both inspired by me cause I've been doing it for, I don't know, six months now. Awesome. Um, you started me with an initial protocol and then I've actually worked with one of Dr. Wilson's coaches. We talked a couple weeks ago. Um, and the protocol they gave me is super beneficial and I'm feeling really good. And Fantastic. 65 pounds down since last year at this time. And yep. Fantastic. So, um, hey, two questions speak, real quick. Speaking of which uh, real quick. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think yep. we have Dr. Wolfson back on the schedule coming up soon, too. So I'm excited about that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, so real quick, uh, the honey and garlic. So I started a ferment of that. Actually, I did it September 1st. Um, my uh, The garlic is floating in the honey. Is that normal? And, it, you know, I go down and shake it every day or every other day, uh, you know, mix it up. Is that 
good that it's floating and it's, you know, some of it's exposed on the top of the, the honey. Yeah. Is that all right? Well, you don't want it exposed, so you need to put something on there okay. to keep the garlic submerged. There are several different things you can use. Okay. My, my guess is that your garlic has lost a lot of moisture. Your garlic is probably pretty dry. Okay. If it's if it's floating now okay. over time, it may absorb enough water out of the honey that it will kind of plump back up and maybe sink again. But I have a feeling your garlic is overly dry. Okay. Okay. Do you think it's spoiled since no. it's been you know what, no, three it, weeks, it, four weeks now? No, it won't. Um, it, I mean, if okay. it spoils, you'll know it. You'll see mold. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that, speaking of that. Um, so I do have the weights, the glass weights from the kit I got, the ferment kit. Um, yeah. So I don't know if the garlic will s- slip up uh, on the sides of that, but um, it, I could try that when I get home. You know what um, works well? Yeah. If, if, if there's a gap around there and things keep popping up out of that gap, um, if you can get a head of cabbage and cut a leaf off, and then yep. you can tuck the leaf down in and put sure. the glass weight over it then. Ah, that makes sense. Like I do, I've, I got sauerkraut going right now too, and that's exactly what I have in the yeah, sauerkraut. Do the do so. the do the same uh-huh. thing for the garlic. So. Yep, just put a put a cabbage leaf in there, and then put okay. the weight on top of it. Cool. All right. Um, one more real quick question. Go ahead. What was that, Lauren? I just I thought that was a very creative way to do it. I never thought about that, but that's a good way to works sure. really good. Yeah. Definitely do that when I get home here. Um. One more real quick question. So uh, this past week, I was fortunate enough to harvest uh, a deer. So I have Ooh. a freezer full of venison coming. Congratulations. Um, so I'm going to start canning that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, plan on getting more this year. I mean, uh, so the first thing I ran for when I shot this deer was the liver. Yes. Um, so I pulled the liver out, and I actually we're having liver for dinner tonight, uh, venison liver. Um, and my question is, uh, since I've been doing a couple protocols, I'd started one with Lauren and I'm doing it with Dr. Wilson. Um, I'm taking, uh, the ancestral, ancestral beef liver supplement. Yeah. I think, or organs, beef organs. Um, so I've been taking that pretty religiously, you know, six a day or whatever I've been taking. So now I'm going to take, I'm going to be eating actual venison liver. So I portioned it out where I have like six portions. So I have six weeks. Nice. Um, and I know a weekly, Good. I was kind of looking into it, a, a weekly dose of uh, organs is four to seven ounces. Right. Um, so now if I'm getting four to seven ounces a week of actually the venison, can I not that week not take the you supplement could. or should I continue taking the supplement? You know, there, there's, yeah. there's no right or wrong answer to this. It, it's so hard to say. Flip a coin. Sure. Yeah. Pick, pick whatever. <laughs> pick, pick whichever yeah. one you like better. Um, I, you're going to be fine either way. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. I just don't want to overdose on something. No, like vitamin, it, it, you know, yeah. vitamin A or I it, can get too it, much of that. You could, the, the, the fat soluble vitamins, um, we could overdo and a is one of them. I, I just don't see it happening because you ate some extra liver once a week and took the supplement. I mean, if you started eating sure. four ounces of liver every day and taking the supplement, then, yeah, we would probably overdo it at some point. But, uh, you know, six weeks okay. of eating liver right. once a week, uh, I either way, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I just want to All right. Well, thank you, guys. 
Jesse, if you want to save a little money and save, you know, the ancestral for yes. when you don't have fresh liver, exactly. then there's no harm in that. Right. Yeah. Sure. Mix it up. Yeah. Mix it up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'll make it All up. right. So well, thank Is you, guys. Is it bow season where you are, or? It's bow season started this past weekend. So between our group, we usually get about 10 deer every year. So I'll get everybody's innards. I'll get oh, all the livers nice. and hearts I want. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I'll can. I'm, I'm getting into canning now because of you guys. I'm getting into canning, and I've learned a couple canning recipes that I'm going to be trying in the next couple of days here. So awesome. I'm excited about canning all this venison. Having yeah. your supply now, worth of medicine. It, it, yeah, if you <laughs> so. get tired of eating all those hearts, the hearts make the best jerky. Yeah. Oh, do they? Yeah, okay. heart makes excellent jerky. <laughs> See? Yep. So, I'll definitely try, try that. More about it. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'll give you guys a call. Uh, give you an update in a month or two. <laughs> Perfect. So. We'll look forward to it. All right. All right. Take you guys care. Have a great afternoon. You too. All yeah, right, Lauren, that. that's um, that's going to wrap it up for the calls. We're not going to take any more calls today. Uh, so you and I can just wrap this up. What do you got? Well, actually, I think I'm going to save my little thing that I came across okay. for another day when we can talk more about EMS. Because oh, good. We mentioned EMS last week, but um, yeah, I'm curious to know, did you, have you looked any further into it? Or I'm, I'm, I might just... Uh, kind of create it as a top, like use it as a topic and create a whole show around it. I think that'd be good. If you would do that, that would be great. I actually have it on a list. So one of the things I'm kind of working through right now is yeah, I may go back and resurrect the book. We I started a book a couple of years ago on nutrition and I mean, we got it like 90% done and honestly, I just don't like it. Um, I, 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 and I can't figure out why you would think with all the reading I do, I'd be able to look at a book and say, this is why, you know, it needs this or that. And for some reason I can't figure this out. I read the book and I'm just, I just don't like it. And I wrote it. Um, and Brittany did an awesome job of editing it, but I I just don't like it. I, I, I'm just not going to put it out. I don't think it's, it's good enough, but there's, we put a lot of work into it. So I have this idea now of, you know, we've kind of developed this new idea of fermented carnivore with some starch. I think that's a really, really good approach to the diet. So I want to go back and kind of write about that. And then the bigger part, much bigger part is the stress busters protocol. I think this could be huge. So I, I, I'm thinking I might want to go back and resurrect the book, kind of start over, pull the material out that we have that I like, kind of start over in, in it with a different flow um, and then I thought, okay, if I'm writing this and I'm going to talk about diet and now I'm putting in the stress protocol, I'm really thinking that this isn't going to be a diet book, that it's going to be a lifestyle book. And I think we're going to follow that theme of living wild. So we're going to cover everything that we can do to get us closer to the hunter gatherer lifestyle. So one of the things I've, I've got uh-huh. in there is how do we avoid these modern problems like EMFs? You know, hunter gatherers didn't have to deal with that. How do, so I want to come up with a way to, to approach every aspect of our life. So the list that I've created, um, which that's on, I got to try to figure that piece out. Three big pieces that I want to work on. And sleep is the one I'm going to start on now. That's a big one. So I'm going to start on sleep. 
I really got thinking there's another physical problem I suffer from, and I need to figure out a good solution for this. I'm very inconsistent, uh, and that's flexibility. I have never been very flexible. I mean, my whole life, I've never been flexible. Wrestling was always a challenge. I used to have to really, really stretch a lot. Um, and it just doesn't seem to hold for me. I stretch, I stretch, I stretch, I get more flexible. And if I quit for two days, it's like I lose it all again. And it's so frustrating that I don't, you know, I don't go back and do it because I don't feel like I'm getting the results I should be. So I'm going to go do some research on that. I have a feeling it's like a lot of other things. We're just doing it wrong. So I'm going to look at, you know, yoga again, and I'm going to look at Tai Chi and some of those other things and see what I can come up with around flexibility. And then the other area, and I have no idea where I'm going to go when I get to this one, but um, the other part of our, our life that I think has changed a lot and it hasn't changed in a good way, and that's connection. And I, I, we have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, we, we are hyper-connected. Total strangers have 13 different ways to send me a message. And yet we have no real connection anymore. I talk about this all the time. That word comes up all the time. That we're so disconnected from, like, the natural things, like, from our food. How right. can we be so disconnected from our food? Right. How can we go to the grocery store and buy the same cut of meat and you, never venture to try something new? You know what surprises me? And this just happened again yesterday. I, I'll be out in the garden and, you know, people walk by. My garden's almost right on, parts of my garden are like right on the sidewalk. Um, so when people walk by, everybody questions me about the garden. You know, they, they compliment me on it. Yeah. One of the things I'm shocked about is I'll, you know, I'll give people a tour because I'm excited and I, you know, I love to share things with people and they'll look at a plant and they'll go, oh, I never knew that's how potatoes grow or, oh, I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I, like they have no idea how some of these vegetables even grow. So, I know. Well, I mean, even just living in California after, you know, Uh, I had stock like that. I had no idea they grew like that. But you're right. A lot of people have no connection to what they're eating. Yeah, no, no food to the. And we were just talking about this. I, I always thought this was kind of funny. Um, the whole thing about eating animals and how it, you know, freaks people out, and um, they don't really under. And I don't think a lot of people want to know, um, but. I kind of sometimes force people to know where their food comes from. So on my 50th birthday, um, I've told this story before, we did a slider bar. Now, this was when we were still doing grains. I mean, this was right before, a year or two before we made the big health change. Um, but we've always been big foodies. So for my 50th birthday, we decided our theme was going to be a slider bar. And we made all the condiments, pickled red onions and, you know, jalapenos. And we did all that from scratch. We had this big bar set up. And then we went out and we found all the exotic ground meat we could. So we had like alligator, we had camel, we had llama, alpaca, elk, uh, antelope, um, llama, um, I forget. We had like 13 different animals. 
and we made sliders out of all of them. And but what we did was on, on the slider bar itself, um, we right in the center of the bar, we put up a big iPad. And I said, I'm going to put a picture of each animal so people know what they're eating. And then we took it one step further. We used all pictures of baby animals. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my God. I yeah. did not expect you to say that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. People are like, oh my God, what are you doing? I'm like, you should know what you're eating. Oh. I feel the same. I, I've always kind of felt like, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's a responsibility there. That there if is. you're going to eat things, you should know exactly where they're coming from. Yes. That's, yes. Yeah, that's been my and personal belief for, for you know, many, many years. You know, I am sure there are lots of people, probably the majority, that don't realize when they eat lamb and veal, they're eating baby animals. Yes, I agree. And that's okay. Right about that. That's the whole point. It's okay. That's how the world works. We eat other things. Everything mm-hmm. does. Yeah. This is true. Oh, well, I would love to help you form this, this book. There's Good. sounds like a lot Good. of stuff. I'm there through. is. There is. But I, I, I you know, when I, th- when I think about it, there's tons of good diet books. I mean, there's so many I can recommend. You know, so many good topics, so many good books, really well written. And part of my problem was that I just didn't think there was anything unique about the book that I wrote. It's like 10 other books on the market. I mean, why, why put that out? I could just recommend one that already exists. But I don't think there is a really good book. Now, there is a good book I read, and the title's really similar. I think it might have been called Live Wild. We're doing Living Wild. Um, I'll have to go back and look for that one. It was a really good book, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, an instruction manual. It, it like talked about the topic, but it didn't really give a lot of instruction on how to live that way. Oh, well, I, I wonder what it is. When you think about it, let me know. I'm yeah. curious to well, I can check go, it out at least. I can go find it right now. Um, the, it, the one story that I really remember that jumps out for me, um, they did a, have you ever heard of persistence hunting? No. Okay, so they did a whole thing in this book about um, what's called persistence hunting. And here's what it is. And, and they've proven that this was a thing. There were certain tribes um, that would, like out on the savannas primarily in, in Africa, they would take animals like gazelle or antelope or springbok or, you know, those those big kind of game animals that run in herds. And they would have uh, members of the tribe trained as like long distance runners and they would have several of them. And they would literally run an animal down. And it might take 12 hours. Wow but they would literally separate an animal out of the herd and you can't catch them. They can obviously run much faster than we can, but these, these runners, these human runners were basically ultra marathon runners and, and they would just start jogging after this animal and the animal would sprint away and then stop and have to catch its breath and it'd sprint away. And this would go on for hours, 
but they would literally wear the animal down till it collapsed. Very interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so that's quite the way to handle it. <laughs> yeah, that that's the one. I mean, there was other stuff. Like I think that's also the book. Um, oh you know no, the author. Yeah, so the book is called "Go Wild" by John Rady oh. and Richard Manning. It's called "Go Wild." Um, okay. I think the other thing I learned in there that I thought was really interesting. I'm pretty sure it was this book. It was that whole concept of why we sleep so differently in different cycles of our life. Like babies sleep all the time on and off. Um, teenagers go to bed really, really late and want to sleep in really late into the afternoon. Middle-aged people have a certain sleep schedule. Old people have a different sleep schedule. And their hypothesis was that was just how we survived in the wild. We weren't all sleeping at the same time because you were too vulnerable if you did that. So we, we evolved over time to where we slept in different shifts and different cycles, and it was safer that way. Uh, yeah, I never thought about that either. Yeah, it was really interesting. So, um, but again, that book wasn't like, uh, it didn't really talk much about diet. Um, it was more about kind of lifestyle stuff. So, you know, there are diet books. There's this one on the lifestyle. There's not one really good book out there that covers all of this. Yeah, not that I know. That's for sure. And then the stress protocol, like I said, I, I haven't found that anywhere. And I haven't found any really good stress protocols anywhere that actually work. This one works. So I, I you know, the, the, the protocol alone probably needs a book. But I, I think I'd like to make it part of this whole kind of living wild protocol that we're working on. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. So we will see. But check out that book. That's a good one. I haven't talked about it in a long time. Yeah, I wrote it down. I'll definitely have to check that out. All right. Anything else you want to end with today? Just to remind everyone to keep an eye out for the new series that we're launching. It'll be a weekly series called Lauren's Plate, a snapshot into what it is that I'm eating. I love that. Uh, I think it's exciting and, yeah, and it's inspiring. It'll it'll make you hungry, hopefully. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, give you ideas of how to compose a plate. So I think that's the... Pretty good for me today. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing. I, I mentioned this earlier that we should probably set this up as kind of a group or a, at least a topic in Healthy Tribes so we can keep them all in one place. And I would encourage other people to submit their plates. And here's the thing I'm just going to say this right up front. That. I'm going to say this right up front. If you submit your plate, just be prepared. You're going to get criticism. Deal with it or don't submit oh, yeah. it. If you don't want to deal with that, if you don't want people's pointing out what you might have been doing wrong or what you might have been able to do better, then just don't submit. You know, but but there there's a value to that. There's a value to putting that up there and getting opinions from everybody else. Doesn't mean you have to listen to them. You know, if you like putting ketchup on your steak, put ketchup on your steak. I don't care. Uh, but somebody will probably point it out and criticize it. So just deal with it. I agree. I agree. And it's not saying, you know, everyone, 
you're not going to be eating perfectly for every single meal. Let's just be honest. Exactly. None of us do. None of us do. Right. Right. We all, we, and we all even have those things we know aren't optimal for us, but we do them anyway. I know that eating ice cream adds nothing to my health, but I'm not giving up ice cream. I like it too much. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. We all get to make those choices. We do. That's the beauty of being free, isn't it? Yep. That's right. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it. Boy, that was a big day. Um, three plus hours. Uh, good stuff. All right. Yes, that is a big day. So, Lauren, I'm excited about your new program. I can't wait to get it kicked off and off the ground. And uh, lots of good stuff coming up. Definitely. A lot of good stuff. Excellent. All right, Lauren, thanks as always, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you, Kevin. All right. All right. Everybody, we'll see you back here tomorrow. It's a free-for-all and rolling tow, so we'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.